I'm going to preface tonight's episode other than Jeff's solid anchor read by saying that we're going to be talking about movies that are ranked between 80 to 89%, which is every good movie you've seen for the most part. So there are going to be movies in here that we're just going to blatantly miss, skip over, uh, even though we'll probably talk about probably close to 80 movies tonight. So uh, it is the Never Ending Q podcast. You've stumbled on it again. You got me, Kurt. Here again. How did you get here? Keep searching for a never-ending story and keep somehow clicking this instead. But Jeff is here. Matt's here. Uh, our buddy Tom is popping in. Tom, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, happy to join. You know, I've, I've been a faithful listener. Probably earned you guys a whole, like, nickel or 10 cents from Anchor Sponsorship. So good to, good to be here live. I was I listening to the... away from the auto parts store to be here. <laughs> <laughs> January or February is a downtime. Actually, it's pretty quiet. Good. I was listening to the rewatchables. I don't know if you guys listen to that. Never heard heard of it. It's it's a good podcast. You should check it out. You'd like it. Uh, I was listening to the casino episode and and they tell a story that James Woods found out that Martin Scorsese was interested in working with him. And he, he left Scorsese a phone message saying anytime, any place, any role, any fee. And that's, that's the message Tom left for me about being on this podcast. So <laughs> we haven't discussed fee yet. You're going to be very disappointed. And <laughs> uh, you we'll actually talk pay about us, later. Tom. Yeah. Yeah, I figured, I mean, it's a good way to get my name out there. So I figured I'd have to, to cut a check for this. Yeah. Little known fact. That's how we make our money is before the guests leave. We, we ask for Venmo. Venmo's open. Uh, if you haven't tuned in by now, that's no one. So uh, we're going to aggregate the top five list. Actually, technically top six for, uh, again, Rotten Tomato movies ranked between 80% and 89%. My God, was this difficult because it's so many good movies. We've covered a lot of them already. But uh, I'm just going to jump into it because I'm sure we're going to run over even with a brief intro. So in terms of order, I'm going to go first, then Matt, then Tom, then Jeff. Uh, We do keep score here. Jeff, I know you're itching to give what the points are. Fist pumps all over the place. What's, uh, what's the tally? It's been a while since we've had points, uh, so I'm excited to talk about them. Tom has zero. Again, disappointing. Uh, Kurt, still dead last, 47 points. It's impressive. Uh, I don't think you've even Not first broken, or last. I don't think you've broken second place. So, uh, Matt, 55 points, uh, and then myself, 58. Adoro, I think Which is, I think, why I'm going, right going last tonight. Is that right? Yeah, it's passive aggressiveness. It's what the Midwest does best, Jeff, is yes. passive aggressive behavior. Although big advantage to the last place, too, because he could, he could really just hop on to get the points if he wanted to. Got nothing to lose. But I know Jeff's got too, too much respect for the game to do that. Yeah. Well, you know there, what? I'm going to come strong out of the gate, and I'm going to pick a movie that I know Matt's going to have my back on. It's going to be 2008's In Bruges, <laughs> movie that, that stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson and Ray Fiennes. Uh, but really, Martin McDonough is, is the real star here. He's the screenwriter. Uh, and that's what makes this whole movie. The screenplay is phenomenal. Uh, again, McDonough was mostly a playwright. This film could have been made into a play if you condense some of the outdoor shots. Uh, the, my favorite scene in the movie is, is the cafe scene outside between Ray Fiennes, who I think this is my favorite role. No shade on Voldemort. But I think this is my favorite role that that Ray Fiennes has played. Um, yeah. 
the, the conversation so he's between not, he's not in a lot of it either which is even more impressive <clears throat> no so when he does show up it's you know just real briefly he's suicidal i'm suicidal you're suicidal everybody's fucking suicidal we don't all <laughs> keep going on about it has he killed himself yet no so he's not fucking suicidal is he <laughs> put a load of gun to his head this morning i stopped him he this gets fucking worse <laughs> we were down the park let me get this right you were down the park what's that got to do with fucking anything let me get this wrong. Not only have you refused to kill the boy, you've even stopped the boy from killing himself, which would have solved my problem, which would have solved your problem, which sounds like would have solved the boy's problem. It's just, I mean, again, like the dialogue is really crisp. This got nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay. It lost to Milk, which is a biopic on Harvey Milk, which I don't understand how a biopic can be submitted as, a, as Best Original Screenplay when you have something like this that McDonough just came up with totally on his own just because he visited the town of Bruges and thought, you know, it would be a good story is a guy who accidentally kills a kid and has to take his partner to Bruges and, and lay low for a while. Um, it's a movie that's, I think it was 84% uh, critic, 87% audience for a movie this dark, which is kind of McDonough's thing. I mean, if you re- I, this made me go reread his plays there's a common theme of darkness and morbidity that he keeps playing on, but he does it really well. I like this way more than I like three billboards. Um, Matt, I, I think this has got to be on your list. Yeah, this is my number three. I, I knew you'd have this one too. Have fun. Number five. Yeah, Jeff's five as well. I love it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is just a cult favorite, especially amongst our group of friends though too. So no surprises there. I, so two, two little bits of research that relate to your points, Kurt. Um, that I found out. So McDonough, you, you mentioned he was inspired to write this after you know going going to Bruges. <laughs> what I read was he was obviously really mesmerized initially by like the architecture that he saw. It's supposed to be one, like a really beautiful city, right? Obviously, you see it in the movie, right? But he admits that soon after that he kind of got bored and just decided to get drunk a lot, and he modeled the two characters. Um, you know, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson's character after his two sort of split personalities from his visit, the one that was loving all the architecture and kind of nerding out and the other one that was just drunkenly stumbling around through the city, which I didn't know before, it makes perfect sense. And I, I, I definitely hear your point around uh, Ray Fiennes be, like stealing the show. But for me, the thing that makes this movie is just the relationship between uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell in this. I mean, their, their dialogue is just so funny. Uh, it gets me every time. Um, and since you played that lovely clip with all the, all the F-bombs, there's 126 uses of the F-word and its derivatives in this movie, over 107 minutes, working out around 1.18 F-words per minute. That's big math for you. Yeah, well, I wrote it down. Somebody else did the math. Oh. But, was Jeff, Jeff is Ray. Is Ray dead at the end? Uh, I don't think so. Think he lives through it? Yeah. Um, I think so. I like that I they, so. they they were both written as British characters, and then Farrell. I, I had read that Farrell and Gleason got on set, and they were just yakking it up. And they're two Irish citizens, and they were like, "Nope, these guys have to be Irish." Like. There's nothing we can do about it, and it's coming yeah. off way better this way. 
Well, and I'm so and glad I, they did yeah. that because the the Guts yeah. just got fantastic Irish accents. I think the only Americans are the the three really <laughs> fat people. You're not going up there. You're a bunch of elephants. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not being funny. There's yeah. a lot of stairs. There's a lot of stairs up there. Let it go, fatty. I thought he was dead at the end of the movie. I guess I never really reflected on that too much. Well, I mean, it, I guess it, it could be a, a way you look at it. I would like to think he's alive. I mean, the last line is what, like, and, and I really hope that wouldn't die. Um, yeah, he takes a lot of bullets there. It's, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I think I've wow, watched that movie. For, for a movie I've watched at least 10 times, my concentration of watches of that was like, was very, very concentrated. I think I watched... I probably haven't watched that movie since senior year of college, but it was one of the few movies on like one of the only premium channels we got. Um, so we got on a kick where we would watch that as we went to bed for, I don't know, a month or two straight. So I feel like I've seen it, you know, at least a dozen times, but all within the span of two months and never again since then. And the dreams that you had must have been really vulgar and violent. <laughs> yeah, a lot of F-bombs, yeah. yeah. You so you were you were jumping off the bell tower and that's what will wake you up. Yeah, wake yeah. <laughs> Cold sweat. All right, wow. So so that was Jeff's five. That was my five. That was Matt's three. That big battle moment there. Cleaning up. Yeah. Uh Matt, what was your five? My five was a little movie called Wind River. Um 87 on the tomato meter, 90 audience score. Um this is another dark movie, um, as a, a few of Taylor Sheridan's movies tend to be. He also did Sicario, Hell or High Water, slightly less dark, but kind of a gritty tone for sure. Um, and I actually didn't know that this is like, he wrote those as, as, as sort of like three movies in a series um, about like his American Frontier series, which was kind of cool. I didn't know that before. Um, the story here is nothing like I feel like that hasn't really in broad strokes been done before. It's a murder um, sort of crime thriller, right? But it's set in Wyoming on the, the Wind River um, Native American reservation. Um, and Sheridan's thing, and you can also see this, he also does Yellowstone. So you can see this coming through a lot there is he did this to kind of bring light to um, bring awareness to just the rampant sexual abuse on, on indigenous women in, in these. So it's, it's obviously a really heavy uh, topic um, that I think he, he handles really well, but um, it, it's also just um, Renner's performance in this is just really good, especially knowing that, you know, he was doing an Avengers movie at the same time. Right. Um, yeah. So is that how you got here? Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner. And you were like, which one is this? Wait a second. I did see it on Netflix and I was like, oh, I didn't know Renner came out with a movie. Um, Where is his yeah, bow and arrow? It doesn't hurt that you got Hawkeye and uh, Scarlet Witch in there. Uh, not to mention, I actually, I think I went down a Yellowstone rabbit hole and that's how I kind of got into this because there's a lot of those characters too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a great flick. Um, I really enjoy it, Kurt. I know you've seen it before. I, I love this movie. This was a strong honorable mention. It was hard to leave it out. Uh, yeah. I love I love Burnthal showing up. Um, I mean, it's a little bit of spoilers. Pun I won't say Punisher. what role. Punisher's in there too, Jeff. <laughs> there you go. That, that last, I don't know how many times I've watched the clip of just that last, you know, Renner and Camo uh, 
yeah. and, and camo gear in the snow. He's a badass, dude. Yeah. Don't let, don't let the bow and arrow fool you. Dude's got moves. All right. Really strong ending. And, and honestly, yeah, like you said, they kind of shed light on a part of America I was very unfamiliar with. Um, yeah. The other yeah, Sheridan's cool great writer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, and until I was doing research for all this, I didn't know all the connections between those, but Yellowstone, this, Hell or High Water, some, you know, a couple of my favorite movies. So and just uh, those who wish me dead was, was not as strong as the others, but it's really, I, I didn't love the Angelina Jolie casting, but yeah. same thing. I mean, she's kind of hit or miss. Forest fires and uh, in the Colorado Rockies. So no, real strong cool, pick. The other cool thing I found out about this. So obviously this was a, a Weinstein company production and following, you know, the, the sex abuse scandal coming out, uh, Sheridan actually called and demanded that uh, everything get pulled, like the logo get pulled from all of that. And all the money that he would have made uh, been donated to charity and pulled it off. So good for Sheridan in that regard. Stocks climbing. Yeah, right. It's great. Uh, number five. All right. Tom, what do you got? What's your nominee? Uh, number five, I have 1992's A Few Good Men. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible series. So, like, I'm very used to Tom Cruise, like, hanging off of planes and doing just the ridiculous, like, running up the Burj Khalifa stunts. And I was rewatching this recently and I, like, was like, oh my God, Tom Hanks actually has, or not Hanks, Cruise actually has acting chops. Like, he was at one point in his career, like, a pretty good actor and not just this, you know, ridiculous action hero guy who you see is like, oh, he actually did his own stunts. It's, which makes it, all the more fascinating but um i don't know i think it's just a really good movie through and through you have a, a great cast i mean with with cruz nicholson demi moore we have a brief cuba sighting um Kiefer Kiefer sutherland's kind of the the hard-ass marine that everybody hates um i mean nicholson obviously delivers some some great lines not just that you can't you can't handle the truth but also the the monologue about being the watcher on the wall so you know all of us soft people at home can sleep at night um uh, you know I, I think really just cover to cover a, a great movie you know also has some you know good plot points and storylines I, I think the marines at the end when they recognize like you know why aren't we being reinstated we just were following orders they, they have the realization well like our job was to protect people like him we were outcasts and, and weak and everything like that um so you know all around great flick that i just love whenever i catch it on tv i'm like oh i'm gonna sit down and stick with us for the next hour or 90 minutes or whatever high rewatchability for sure yeah a good <clears throat> full support because it's it's my number two uh yeah wow. everything you just said i think that it's it, it's tough to nail down a best like is this sorkin's best thing and it, i mean i'm you know hot take he's he's done a lot of really popular and really well done movies okay. but i mean that guy's going places i mean <laughs> we covered leo last week sorkin another one to keep your eye on yeah i i you know social network american president moneyball and this i think are the are the mount rushmore but it's he just goes for broke with some of the dialogue in this i mean there may not be a more well-recognized speech than the you can't handle the truth monologue at the end and, and the story is that it, it's been told so many times like Nicholson, you know, they had to get reaction shots from the whole cast. And, and instead of Nicholson kind of phoning it in from off screen, he, he does it with gusto every single time. And Reiner told him 
you may want to pull back because we haven't filmed you yet. And he said, it's so rare that I get a really good part. I just love to act. This is, this is fun for me. Um, and that's something I forget about acting. It's like the Daniel Day Lewis is they take it so seriously, but I mean, Oh, oh it's gotta be fun. And it is, I don't know if that story was kind of nice to hear that somebody had that much fun, you know, playing yeah. a role like this, as far as recasting, the only one I saw was James Woods got offered the part supposedly um, it's hard to imagine anybody else. Woods is a little too slimy for this. I don't know if I buy him as a full uh, Colonel, but he, he got offered the Jessup part, the Jessup part. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And if they made remade this now. Yeah. Like I agree. Like Cruz, I think this might be the, one of the best things Cruz did as far from a pure acting standpoint. It's hard to think about who would do that now. I'm sure they could find somebody. I thought like a Michael B. Jordan, or Ryan Gosling would be good, but and I, like actually the the for Rob Reiner this was kind of the last great thing. I mean maybe American President, but I mean he's coming off of Stand by Me, Harry Met Sally, Princess Bride, Spinal Tap. This is kind of before we're getting into the bucket list and and yeah. flipped and things like that. So yeah, it's so also strong got, pick. It's also got one of my favorite movie insults. You're a lousy goddamn softball player, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> all right so, so how do we handle this because this is your five right yeah, yeah it was so tom's five was, it's my two <clears throat> but jeff and i both have in bruges at five and matt has in bruges at three so, so jeff has been looking at rules in the background mm-hmm. so i have uh right now i have in bruges in the five slot i've taken a few good men i've put it off to the side sitting right next to it and it says kurt and tom on it so I think <clears throat> it will fall somewhere, uh, but a three beats a two. Three of a kind beats two of a kind, right? So, um, yep. where it, whether it's an automatic six, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We don't really have a rule for a, a full house here. We got it in the six pack, though. We'll figure it out. I have confidence in us. In the meantime, I'll, I'll keep us rolling. My number four is a film we touched on uh, last week when we did our drafting of, of movie franchises when Jeff took Home Alone second. I panicked, man. <laughs> I didn't know. what I wasn't ready. And then I haven't, your Pearl to that podcast. I haven't listened to that podcast. I don't think I ever will. Uh, it was a dark moment. Tom got on me. He, he texted me. He's like, you should have taken Mission Impossible over the Bourne. And I was like, you you're gonna single me out for the way I played the game. Yeah, I thought Home Alone was pretty questionable as early as it went, but I was when I was thinking spy franchises, like the the Born original trilogy is definitely superior to probably any any three movies from the MI series, but like Mission Impossible is still churning out really good stuff. So I feel like you gotta go longevity there. I panicked. One in 30-something podcasts. All right. I get to make <laughs> We've only got one. Maybe this will be the pick for me, although I doubt it because, Jeff, I know you love this movie. We touched on it from the Jack Ryan franchise. I just want to say I hope John Wick got an honorable mention somewhere in that. It didn't. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Point Break technically could have been. I'm sorry, I'm baiting you. It's uh, it's the Hunt for Red October, the the movie that that the Navy thought would do for it what Top Gun did for the Air Force. Uh, I don't know if it did or not. It's a great movie. I don't know if Top Gun's a Navy movie. I don't know. It's the, the Wikipedia article I read begs to differ. I don't know. Navy Take it up with, with wikipedia.com. 
that's true. You, you didn't remember all the ships in Top Gun? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ocean. I said there was a lot of ocean. water too. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Humphrey, uh, Alec Baldwin's only entry is Jack Ryan in the in the franchise. But I think this is the best movie of of the Jack Ryan franchise. This is back when he was shooting people for pretend. There it is. <laughs> hey, I knew you'd work it in there somehow. That was well done. That was pretty organic. I think I think right on time, good. actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, this you know height of the Cold War. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're working our way back to where they're now. But I mean, this is this is really, you know, as, as good as Baldwin is. I think we talked last time that, that this was offered to Costner and he turned it down to do Dances with Wolves. And this just fits better. I mean, yeah. Harrison Ford is perfectly fine as a follow up to to Jack Ryan. But I love this movie because it's, it's really a Sean Connery movie, which I love that they just let him keep his accent. And they, they say, like, well, he's not really Russian. He's Lithuanian. It's like, well, that's not a Lithuanian it's accent. Still either. not Scottish. I don't, I don't think, but I haven't been to Lithuania, but I'm willing to bet they don't sound, uh, they don't sound Scottish. Stellan Skarsgård popping up as the first American film as, uh, as the rival Russian, uh, Russian sub-captain. Uh, Sam Neill is his number two, who you could tell immediately is going to die as soon as he starts talking about, I'm going to live in Montana and I'm going to know rabbits. So you are dead. There's no way you're going to die. <laughs> Uh, what do you say? I mean, the, the the one interesting tidbit I saw was that uh, a lot of the the cast had military training. Um, Scott Glenn was a Marine. James Earl Jones was in the Army. Sean Connery was in the Royal Navy. So I don't know that that really translated into, you know, being on a fake sub or, or real sub, however they shot it. But real entertaining movie. Real, you know, four four torpedo scenes that are that are really the the crux of the movie where just different ways how many ways can you avoid or, or outmaneuver a torpedo but i think it does pretty well especially with with the limitations of 1990 technology so i think it still holds up well on friday october i like it hard to argue with yeah not that Let's hard. Move. i didn't have it in my top five but yeah yeah <laughs> it's the um, backdraft of the interest yeah go ahead yeah. matt let's move we got. Um, I went with a very similar movie. Uh, it's a little movie called The Birdcage. What? <laughs> the Birdcage is in here? I love The Birdcage. It's in here? You, you missed The Birdcage, Jeff? I missed what? it too. That's it. Call it Guys. off. Matt did this. Matt did this just because he thought we both have it. It backfired. This was our shot. <laughs> this was our shot, guys. Have we talked about this movie on this podcast before? <laughs> I think we've danced around it. We never fully got into it. God damn it. I can't believe Let's I just missed do a table it. read and get it over with. <laughs> oh, another another uh what's the audience favorite of this group? Um both were a little lower, 81 and 81. Yeah, um, that's highway robbery. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe a little some right wingers in there. Yeah, I mean I if, I don't think I feel like everybody has to have seen Birdcage by now. Nobody puts like, Gene Hackman in a dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, what do you say about this? I have some some you know a little bit of half-assed research on this, but um, I, I think the one thing that like you could argue against it is like the premise hasn't aged well, right? The son 
being ashamed of his uh, dad and, you know, wanting him to um, pretend to, you know, be married to a woman to impress his fiance's parents. But, you know, I think he comes around in the end and and it all works out. So, you know, um, but from start to finish, just hilarious. Like just have you in stitches the whole time. So much so a couple of things that I found out, I I thought were actually pretty funny. the director, uh, Nichols, I forget his first name. Kurt, you probably know it. Um, apparently, Mike. what's that? Mike. Mike. Yeah. yeah. Um, Iconic director. <laughs> I'm not a director. Graduate. Now. Kurt knows these guys. I don't. <laughs> At indie movie, he the graduate. A, yeah, it's a little popcorn, you know, puff, uh, puff pictures. Um, apparently, he had a, a role when they were doing it where he had to do with the script until he was satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would just let them go off and do their thing because of all the improv chops there. And he laughed so hard all the time that he had to move his director chair into a different room because he would just be laughing his ass off. Um, I believe but, that. Yeah, but I don't know. Do you think this was harder this. to be in the room for than Mrs. Dalfire? Oh, man. I feel like there's more jokes packed into this, like per minute. Than yeah, I actually, fire. I, I read Rob. somewhere that they had to reshoot a bunch of scenes in this movie because people kept breaking character and laughing. Yeah, yeah. and Robin really doesn't fly off the wheel a lot. It's you know, it's yeah. really Nathan Lane, and this is a Nathan Lane movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Albert is is an all time character. Well, I mean, this, is... we talked before. This could have been a play. I mean, you could just do the yeah. dinner essentially, it be. and it'd be right. phenomenal. This, maybe this it is. is the Nathan Lane. It was a remake. And, uh, I don't know if it's good. Yeah, I was going to say definitely a Nathan Lane movie, but don't forget about his area in this. I mean, Agador Spartacus is just start to finish fantastic. The shoes, the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what a pure in tablets. <laughs> Tom McGowan. Is a great that guy uh, in this movie. Yeah, National he's a the, uh, yeah. He's a reporter. Yeah, I'm so. I can't mad. miss this in here. Yeah, good work, Matt. I'm glad that somebody. Did caught you guys it. know the last thing I had on this was a recasting? Steve Martin was originally cast to play Armand, and Williams mm. was going to play Albert, but Williams didn't want to do it because he was just coming off of Mrs. Doubtfire and didn't want to be in drag for two movies in a row. I That's think a it different works better. Movie. It's a different movie with Martin. I thought you were going to say Martin was going to be the Gene Hackman role, and I, I think Hackman's perfect no. for that because he's so stiff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Diane West, yeah, the whole yeah. Apex Calista Lockhart. <laughs> yeah, where did she go after that? Nowhere, right? Ally McBeal and down. Yeah, married to Harrison Ford. It's very unbelievable that she and Val are like. 18 she's very i don't even think she's supposed to be 18 they they say it at one point i remember my wife and i watched it the night your son was born kurt because i couldn't get a hold of you and i knew something was happening uh and i remember that came up as they were going through it she's like 17 or something we were like this is bizarre first of all she looks like shit second of all why is she getting married wait she's supposed to be 17 in the movie it's something like that. He's he's young. He's like eighteen or nineteen. He's a freshman, yeah, in college, yeah. Which he does not look. He looks, no, he looks like he's 38. 32. Yeah. yeah. City miles on him. 
All right. This movie fly under the radar for anybody else. Like I honestly didn't know it existed until maybe six years ago. And it's oddly like uh, my wife's like family movie that they watch over the holidays. And it's let's just put it this way. It's not the family that I would envision like this being their family movie. So we sat down th- at Thanksgiving, like, you know, six or six or so years ago and they put this on and I was just like, I did not at all expect this. And it's been a really enjoyable ride every, every year since it's just like a, a incredibly rewatchable, like you just laugh hysterically the entire time. But I, I don't remember this like coming out or really being talked about for years. Maybe I was just looking at a rock. 97. I, around I, there. I this is like 96. I didn't yeah. find out about it till later in life either. Like I didn't, I, I was never like introduced to this by like, we were pretty young when it came out. Yeah. 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 So does your do your in-laws also serve sweet and sour peasant soup at Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> With the bowls. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, peasant soup? I don't know. I made it up. I made it up. Stop crying. God damn you. <laughs> uh, Fuck, I can't believe I missed well. it. I know. And then don't they renovate the house to look like a church? <laughs> like that was the weird Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they go to a they they borrow furniture from like a a church. Oh. Let's take everything compromising out, which is the entire house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you guys blew it. I hope you're happy with yourself. Mike yeah, I'm not, but I'm, Sorry. I'm glad you had it. Sorry, Mike Nichols. <laughs> Make it up to you, uh, Tom. What do you got? Uh, number four, I have Batman Begins, which I feel like you guys pretty much don't go a podcast without at least mentioning the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Um, so I'm a huge fan oh, of right. Nolan and the Batman trilogy in general. But I think Batman Begins is kind of underrated. Obviously, like the Dark Knight is the the go to piece in that trilogy that everybody kind of goes back to. But um, I-, I thought this really kind of changed like superhero movies in general it just showed this much like darker deeper world than i feel like you ever you ever got before um i, I like that it sets like sets up like what gotham is really like it gives you like the falcone kind of underbelly stuff that like kind of sets the tone for what the city is like for the subsequent movies um i think that like using unusual villains like razal ghoul and scarecrow was really cool because i don't I don't even remember that from like watching the cartoons as a kid or anything. I was like totally novel villains to me. Um, as not like a deep cut Batman person. Um, I also think, so we used to smoke a bit in college and watch this like very late at night on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, the early scenes of like Liam Neeson and Christian Bale training in the Himalayas, like are just the absolute best. Like the, yeah. I mean the, the lines that they exchange are just, just classic uh it's very rocky four of batman yeah beautiful too i don't know where they shot there's a sentence i've never heard before (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean i'm i'm i love michael caine like inject michael caine in my veins in every possible film so like i'm just i'm so happy he's alfred through that series um i think he kind of makes it in a lot of ways yep Tom, yeah, I agree with everything you just said, like profoundly. I, the, it, it gave, it completely agree. Like it gave a whole different twist to not only the superhero movie, 
but I think it kind of leveled up what a superhero origin story could and should be, right? It, it had been done so many times before, especially for Batman. So like no one I would imagine knew he had to go in there with like a completely different take. It was going to set up everything he was about to do, right? But but kind of go deeper into kind of the martial arts sort of roots of this particular Batman through the Ra's al Ghul kind of thing. And it was, yeah, I, I completely agree. Very underrated, very, very strong. And, and especially like going back to watch it after you see the others, I think it gets even stronger. It's a little lighter hearted, like not much, but it's the Dark Knight is so heavy. And this, like you have a line, like what's the point of doing all those pushups if you can't let the bloody log yeah, like that's like, that like this small levity moment when a house is burning down around you that you just wouldn't. Uh, yeah. The Dark Knight pretty much had none of that. Well, um, I which is not that neither here nor there, but yeah. Um, yeah, I also Morgan. love when he rebuys the company and yeah. um, he, he hits him with the same line of like, you know, I did it through various trusts and it was it was very complex, but at the end of the day, you know, my, my company's hands are in, in good men now. It's like I, I love that. Yeah, that's a good one. I think Kurt. Uh, uh, Morgan Freeman picks up a lot of the comedic levity that you get from Albert in subsequent movies. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm kind of walking that back. Yeah. 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 When he tells him, you know, you're going to threaten or blackmail this guy that beats up criminals for a living. Right. Good luck. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jeff's dying to talk about Christopher Nolan's follow up to this, or I guess in between the prestige. I don't know if you've seen that or not. But <laughs> oh, I, lo- I love the prestige. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, come back. Surprise, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is uh, I actually didn't see this one in your time, um, but I'm, I'm happy you filled our quota of, of Batman, a, a movie franchise we talk about so much that we specifically said for the franchise podcast, we're not talking about Batman. Who, um, who's the better Rachel Dawes, Maggie or, or Katie? Oh, I, I like Katie. Yeah, same. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed that she didn't return for the, for the Dark Knight. Probably blame <clears throat> Tom Cruise for that one. She's busy. <laughs> She's indisposed at the moment. Uh, Scientology's going to sue us. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what we got? Uh, I finally get to make a movie pick. Um, all right. My number four is Blazing Saddles, which I think we actually talked about on a recent podcast as well. 88 uh, Rotten Tomato, 91 audience score. Um, this is one of the top Mel Brooks movies for me, Spaceballs is probably number one. I think this is an easy number two. It's a 1974 movie. It's unmakeable today. Um, but somehow I think withstands a lot of the, the bullshit that's circulating today with uh, just people getting canceled left and right. This movie uh, withstands it. I don't know how, uh, but I'm glad that it does. Um, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know what to tell you. You, you, you just need to go see it. Um, Gene Wilder is tremendous in this movie. Cleavon Little uh, is awesome. But yeah, um, yeah, the shaky hands with the drink. But Cleavon Little is awesome. And then he's kind of gone. Like he's, he's in nothing else. Now, albeit 1974, he could have been in some stuff that I've just never seen. But personally, I think I probably would have seen it. Um, it's a shame that he didn't you know, kind of ride this movie as much as some of the other guys did. Kurt, I think to your point with Caddyshack, uh, this is a Harvey Corman movie for me. 
right? So like Ted Knight steals Caddyshack. I think Harvey Corman as Hedley Lamar comes in and steals this movie. He's so hateable. I think I can get behind that. Yep. You know, um, he's got that dumb little mustache, which if you're not a car person, just Google the new Porsche GT3 and look at the front end. Okay. And then think of Hedley Lamar and you'll never not be able to see it again. He's got this little Harvey Corman Hedley Lamar mustache on the front of the car. It's amazing. But anyways, uh, I don't know. I'm all about it. I, it's, it pokes fun at everything that has to do with the wild West. Um, the guy that wrote the theme song and sang the theme song thought he was singing a song for a real Western and Mel Brooks told him it was like, it's a legit movie. I need you to belt it out. Cause he was worried that if he found out that it was a Mel Brooks film, he, he wouldn't sing it. Um, so Mel Brooks doing typical Mel Brooks things, trying to make it as, as realistic as possible and then completely turning around with fart noises and, and everything else that goes along with it for an hour and a half. I think it's, it's one of these comedies that's going to be on the Rushmore of comedy. Um, you know, maybe not the Rushmore. That's, that's, that's a short list, but it's up there. It, it withstands the time. It's, it's, it's like a Caddyshack to me. I wish someone would have the, the guts to, or the stupidity to try to cancel Mel Brooks. I'd just love to see his reaction to that. <laughs> I don't think he ever would have cared in his life, but especially at 90 some years old, it'd be he awesome. definitely does not care. <laughs> yeah. It would be, I, Actually, I, I agree with you. I think it would be great. It'd be good content just having him yeah. fight back. <laughs> what is this? I didn't see this one on here either. Um, yeah, me neither. I, I really, yeah, it's, I think you had nailed everything, even down to the Corman thing, which is something I hadn't thought about. But yeah. Okay. Real strong. Well, Red October got blown out of the water, no pun intended. Uh, I mean, I'm I, no secret. I'm voting for the birdcage in this in this section. I, I don't yeah. know. I think you have to, right? I've, yeah, yeah, I think Tom, I'm also voting for the birdcage. Catherine, yeah. Catherine will kill you. <laughs> as much as it pains you, me, you won't be invited back to Thanksgiving, Tom. Yeah. Well, you know, Tom, you go watch Batman Begins in the other room. We're gonna stay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be excommunicado for. It's out in the driveway. There's there's my John Wick reference. Yeah. All right. Uh, starting off the number three nominations, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, 2005s. Should have done research on this. Uh, Ron Howard popping up again this week. Boy. Boxy movie. Russell Crowe. Cinderella oh, Man. I'm so glad you put this in here. Love this movie. Feel like, uh, speaking of movies kind of coming and going, I remember this not doing great. And I remember thinking, like, oh, it must not have been that good. And then I saw it. I don't even remember the first time I saw it. And I remember thinking, this is incredible. Like, I, I don't know what you, what's to not like about this movie. It's, yeah. it's you know, rags to riches. It's, it, I think it's one of the best boxing movies. I mean, it, boxing is tough because like, I'm thinking of other movies like Southpaw or, or not to pick on that, but like, there's some, there's some movies where I just don't know what's going on. I can't tell who's who, who's where it's just not staged well. But shock, Ronda, Ron Howard is a good director. And I kind of have scale and, you know, vantage point of where I am for most of the shots. And I think it just plays really well. And I think it's one of the best things Crow's done. I'm not a big Renee Zellweger fan, but this is probably my favorite thing that she's in. But Paul Giamatti pushes this from this is a good boxing movie. This is a good feel good story into this is really entertaining. Uh he has so many good one-liners. 
he's, you know, he's, he's, I don't want to call it over the top because that's demeaning to his acting style, but it's just, it's Paul Giamatti acting like Paul Giamatti yeah. and he got nominated for this rightfully. So um, he just looks I don't know, like I, he I, could be yeah. like a, a, in that, that he looks like he could be a guy that like organizes fights like that. And, and like kind of brings us, it's just, it's perfect to him. Perfect. Yeah. This might be his best performance. Like I'm just trying to think of what is Paul Giamatti better in than this. It's up there for sideways. Sideways was like the yeah, but I like this more than I sideways is like for you know he's in it more. The movie that kind of rests on him. Sideways is the wine thing, right? The wine, yeah. Alexander I, I found yeah. see, I found him just kind of insufferable in that movie, but I don't really like. But him no one had known who he was yet. So, yeah. That was kind of his big, like, he was just a, a character actor before that. Thomas Hayden Church, right? That's right. Yeah. He was in a movie, American Splendor, where he kind of plays like another, I can't remember the guy's name. The guy used to go on Letterman, and Letterman would just make fun of him. Um, <laughs> Harvey. Yeah, but it was Harvey something. He had like a magazine. Anyway, I think this is it. I mean, yeah. other than Billions, I think that this is probably the, the best thing that he's done. But I mean, it's kind of underselling. Um, Crow, this Red is. Claus, wasn't he in that? Yeah, you're right, Matt. I'm sorry. He was Santa. Apologies all around. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I the only thing I found in... Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I showed this movie to my grandfather. He was born in 1920. And his father, he grew up outside of uh, Wilkes-Barre. His father was a prize fighter like James Braddock, right? Um, and it, like, it is kind of year for year as my grandfather grew up going through this great depression, right? There was this whole thing with Braddock and his dad that was like a tangent, but he said, and this was when it first came out, I remember bringing it over to his house. He said that like, they, that's what the depression was. Like, that's it. You want to know what it was about? That's the movie to watch. It is so spot on. You can watch all the Ken Burns or whatever you want, but like that feeling of, of getting bread on the table and doing anything, anything to do it. And you have these little kids when you come home and you're living in this rat hole. That's what everybody was going through in America. And he said that this movie is as much a depression movie as it is, you know, a boxing movie. I think so too. And that's what I wanted to talk about. Like, I, do you think that's why it didn't do well? Because for the first hour and 15, hour and 20, there's not much boxing and just a lot of, of pretty rough you know, it's rough to watch, but I think you need that because the whole point is like, he had this motivation to not go yeah. back to that and to, you know, the whole, the line of like, now I know what I'm fighting for. Yeah. And if you gloss over all that with just like 30 minutes of like, oh yeah, they were kind of destitute, but then, and then he turned it around. Like it doesn't feel as, as earned. And I don't think you get nearly the, the well, climax of the movie that you get. It's a little, right, it's a little more like Rocky without the backstory. Right. Where it's just like, uh, you know, he was just kind of a down and out guy. He was good fighting and that's, that's what he ended up doing, but you don't have the, he did it to, he, he literally did it to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did I research. Know. I did research that Max bear, the, the final fight, the guy that it was concerned that he would kill him. That was a, a fight where a, like bear did inadvertently kill two people in the ring. And apparently he carried that around with a lot of heaviness. The film kind of makes him a, a villain, but apparently he, that messed him up pretty good. Uh, and this sounded like a fight, almost like a Tyson Buster Douglas, where he just he didn't prep for it and paid the price. But that's kind of underselling Braddock, and nobody wants to 
nobody wants to hear that in the movie. But right. yeah, I think really satisfying payoff. Good okay. flick. All right. Uh, so Matt in Bruges was your three, right? Yes, sir. So we're going right to Tom for your number three. So at number three, I had Ocean's Eleven, which honestly, I was kind of devastated to find out that Ocean's Thirteen wasn't in the eighties. I kind of just assumed that it would be in the eighties, but it was in this. It was sixty nine, I think, which is what? a travesty. I'd like to, I'd like to have a word with these critics critics that don't like Ocean's Thirteen because I think incorrect. Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely my favorite of the the trilogy. So it's an American I, institution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I could probably quote like over fifty percent of that movie. Um, so yeah, I might I might Trojan horse little Ocean's Thirteen conversation in here, but um, Ocean's Eleven definitely one of the better heist movies I think in quite some time. Um, also, probably my favorite ensemble cast of of anything I can really recall. I mean, and that's that's what I love about the whole trilogy is like the the Clooney Pitt Damon dynamic is just pure gold. Like I could watch, like I love when they cut in on Clooney and Pitt, like mid midstream in a conversation. It's just, it's just the best. I could watch those scenes like over and over again. You don't really know what's going on some of the time. Um, and the way they just kind of like crush Damon as the, as the little brother. And, and, you know, um, it's just, it's just, it's so great. I, I actually think Garcia makes for a pretty good villain in this in this movie. Um, you know, I, I kind of like him in that evil tycoon role. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I find him a little bit more natural in the villain tycoon role than Pacino. In, what is it? The second or third one? Yeah, Pacino in the third one. Yeah, yeah. I, I slice I, like a goddamn hammer. It's like yeah, yeah, he has some ridiculous lines in the third one. I agree. I, the, the, like, just the word I think of when I see this movie is just, it's just cool. Like, you've got some of the coolest guys in Hollywood out there just having fun, right? And to your point about it being one of the better ensemble casts, like, that comes through the, the dialogue to your point there. Um, and it's fun to see Damon in kind of like this, to your point, this like little brother role to those two guys. Um, and, yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead, Kurt. No, I was just gonna say, and everybody's kind of got their own thing. You got like the, the Carl Reiner aspect of it, and you've got uh, who's you know comedy pro from doing the jerk to you know all these other movies, and it, then you have the the brother aspect of Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn is like one of my favorite parts of of yeah. all of the movies, especially Thirteen. Um, and yeah, like the the ragging on Matt Damon, which that was the only thing I was gonna bring up was was that. Uh, Apparently, like, who knows if it's true, but Mark Wahlberg, I guess, was being thrown around for the Matt Damon part. And that just would have felt, just wouldn't have liked it as much. It's too much, Mm -hmm. too much cockiness, too much, I don't know. Damon's Damon's much better. Damon's character is supposed to be smart, so I don't know how that would have worked. Well, and Wahlberg's just Wahlberg in every movie. Like, Damon actually had to be a different character in this. Matt, to your point of, like, it's cool, like, it, it, that, I think is a part of the movie like the way that it shot a lot of the glamour and the original was the same way right and so the way they they put the ensemble cast together for this i mean the original is frank sinatra dean martin sammy davis jr is the whole rat pack so how are you gonna do it and they went out and got guys to kind of do it that you know it's well done and what's this 2000 something 
2001, 2002. one. Yeah. I think. While you're looking that up, I, I do have one story that yeah, I, it's I, one. I, Damon was on a podcast and he said he was, they were in Vegas shooting and he was in an elevator with Steven Soderbergh and he, he kind of turned over and was like, you going to do any gambling while you're here? And Soderbergh said, I have one $90 million bet. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, all right, point taken. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. I also think, uh, just a bit of a tangent, did you guys like Ocean's 12? Because I think that's a, a kind of a criminally underrated movie. I like, so it's obviously the third of the three in, in the pecking order, but I think Standalone, it's a really good, fun movie as well. I just think everybody's like, oh, it's 11 or 13, and they don't, you know, they don't give it's never 12 on. any time of day. Yeah, it's true. I it's wish just... it was on more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like, is it the second one where... Um... They they take Damon to the meeting with um, their their contact and he starts yes. quoting Kashmir. Yeah, that was in the bar. He, yeah, he called, his, yes. he called his niece a, a cheap hooker. What? <laughs> yeah, the second one's kind of cool, just in that it's shot in Europe and stuff, so you get some yeah. cool you know scenery. It's not in Vegas, unlike the other two. People seem um, to not like the Julia Roberts thing that that device that yeah. Tess kind of looks like out. Julia Roberts. Ate. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was great. I don't know. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, but fun. yeah, the third of the three. But I don't think it deserves to be completely buried either. But yeah, no, Ocean's Eleven definitely worthy to, to be on this list and in the eighty percent range. Uh, Jeff, I'm gonna, hit you, I'm gonna hit you with another ensemble cast, which is Kevin Pollack, Benicio del Toro, Stephen Baldwin, uh, Gabriel Byrne. And Kevin Spacey. Uh, and honestly, this is right on the money for, for Kevin Spacey because he's as uncomfortable in this movie as apparently he is in real life. Uh, which is Usual Suspects. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. 1995 is The Usual Suspects. Um, this movie, we talk about this a lot. This is not a movie. It's a good thing it came out in 95 because it would not have survived in the, in the age of Twitter where you would have just logged onto your phone and immediately seen the sentence that says Spacey is Soze. That would have kind of fucked everything up. But um, the way this movie unravels to me is awesome. You're on the edge of your seat. The first time you watch it, obviously the, the, the rewatches are a little different. But I, you know what I found is that like, we talked about mystery movies a, a long time ago and a lot of them are really good one watches, right? <clears throat> and then you go back to watch it again everything's spoiled and it's just not as not as much fun this one i think the more i watch it the more i pick up as the story unravels knowing uh that verbal is space or verbal is um kaiser sose i think it actually it withstands the rewatch um and it's still enjoyable on the rewatch uh great Stephen Baldwin movie not a lot of people say that uh and they say it for good reason but he 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 does all right here um Benicio's fantastic in this movie um I hadn't really seen or have seen uh Gabriel Burns since um but he's pretty good what no I was I was struggling he was in that uh that in treatment show Oh, was he? That's he. Apparently, he's not fun to work with. So, yeah. And uh, the story is that he was not thrilled when he found out that he was not Kaiser Soze. 
and had to be kind of cajoled by Brian Singer, who's another sounds like outstanding individual, just a lot of really fun <laughs> people working on this movie. But to your point, Jeff, yeah, all timer movie. I I had wished that Peter or Pete, what is it, Poswaith? How do you say his yeah. last name? Kob- Kobayashi. Yeah, Kobayashi. Yeah. 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 I had him pegged as Kaiser for a lot of the movie. I thought he was playing kind of a double blind. Um, he's anytime he pops up, he's great. You know, his role in the town. The, yeah. Uh, the florist in the town. Yeah. Yeah. But he 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 steals the scenes when he's out there. Um, but yeah, I love the usual suspects. Yeah, I think the the Kaiser Soze reveal is like one of the probably best like oh my god film moments that I can recall in any movie, honestly. Yeah. Um just the first time you feet. watch it, it's yeah. The first time you watch it, you're just like, oh wow. I I I mean I didn't see that coming at all. So I was just no absolutely shocked. You're not I don't know, maybe it's just me. I'm sure it's probably you guys too. Not sad that he got away either. I mean no. deplorable person, but you're kind of like, oh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> like you know if his story is true the guy who literally murdered his own family to remove them as leverage <laughs> well what's amazing about it is that he he goes to the police station and then has the balls to just sit there voluntarily right for what however many hours that that takes place and yeah. then just gets up and walks out just pulling names off of the, the building the entire time. Yeah. Seeing that cop come back in and rifle through his office. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Solid pick. Yeah. It is weird uh, to know, to your point, Jeff, that how much of a creep Kevin Spacey is now. Cause like in films like this and American Beauty, he like plays that part so well. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that was just totally natural for him. Makes a lot of sense. That was just, you shouldn't have given it an Oscar. Him. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what do we have here? We have uh we so in Bruges is out because we already took it. So Cinderella Man, Ocean's Eleven are usual suspects. I I really like Ocean's Eleven. I like all these, but Ocean's Eleven. Do we have a a few good men conversation? Do we slide that in here? Do we wait till the end? I think we wait till the end. I I would I would actually push for Cinderella or usual suspects. That's what I was to me. Saying. The ocean series are great, but they're popcorn films. I, I, don't, I don't come back go, to them as much, but they are on TV all the time. Yeah, I'd go usual suspects over Cinderella Man, but they're both quite good. Let's do that then. Let's let's uh triangulate and say usual suspects. Everybody good with that? I mean, it's we're giving Jeff more points. I can't believe I'm doing this. Points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We're all the real winners here. <laughs> Whatever you're Along with our 3,000 listeners. Don't question it. It's 3,000. <laughs> Don't look it up. <laughs> if you use the metrics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that finishes round three. I already gave my two with a few good men. So, Matt, you were picking. My number two um, <clears throat> is feel-good movie um, that also is just kind of like not trying to be anything other than really what it is, not trying to be too fancy. It's, it's uh, Favreau's chef movie, 87 uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 85 audience score. I like this movie more and more every time I watch it um, because I think a lot of people, when they talk about making a chef movie, a food movie, whatever, whatever it is, they, they have this 
sort of feeling like they need to go big, they need to go the Michelin route. Like you saw this with Bradley Cooper and Burt, he was trying to do something specific there. And I don't hate that movie at all, but I think this is way more authentic in just a non unpretentious way, right? Um, and in, in watching the chef show after this and doing a little bit of research, it's, it's cool to find out that like Favreau met Roy Choi on set of another movie they got to know each other. Favreau told him that he was really interested in cooking, right? Then they just started like hanging out and cooking together. And he hired him to be sort of the expert on this movie, Chef, which is basically, it's, it's not, you know, the story of, of Roy's life, but Roy is credited with like the start of the food truck craze, right? So I think a lot of bits and, and like use social media as a big tool in, in doing that. So it, there's definitely some parallels to like Roy's story, which I think is really cool. Um, obviously it has another Marvel connection, so I'll get that out of the way, right? Scarlett Johansson's in there, RDJ pops in for a hilarious cameo. Um, but I, I love this movie because it's, it's like, he, it, you can tell how important it is to Favreau to be really authentic in the knife skills, in like how he wants to portray the life of a cook, in sort of the cutthroat nature of, of it can be. And, all really boiling back to like the creative expression and the creative freedom that he's trying to find and get back. Right. Um, which I think is really cool. Um, and it's, it's also just kind of a feel good story of like, you know, yeah, he's getting his, his mojo back with cooking, but he's also getting his life back. He's getting his kid back. He's getting his ex-wife back. Um, so, um, I really enjoy it. I find it really cool that it also led to like Favreau, finding this new hobby that he's also created a, another Netflix show about. Um, so big favorite of mine. Yeah. I'm in the bag for this movie. I like it as well. As far as cooking movies go. Um, I don't have it on my list, but I do like it a lot. I think I, I was thinking about this the other night cause I got back in on billions and there's a scene in billions. Uh, I think it's the last episode of last season or something like that. Uh, but Paul Giamatti makes eggs and it's like, a five minute scene of Paul Giamatti just making eggs in silence. And there's some other people there that I, don't, I won't mention because it could spoil it, but it got me thinking. And, and now every time I go to make eggs, I like think of this Paul Giamatti scene of him just making eggs in silence in his kitchen. And there are other scenes in movies and TV that have done that, like Goodfellas with the, with the garlic, right? Yeah. Um, chef, chef has changed the way, like I can't, I can now not make, I can't make eggs without thinking of Giamatti. I can't put, I can't use garlic without cliche thinking of Goodfellas. Now I can't make a fucking grilled cheese without thinking of John Favreau, right? Making that grilled cheese for his kid, the heart and everything that he puts into it. um, It's tremendous. And that scene is just, you know, with him moving it around and kind of flipping it. I made grilled cheeses every day for like three weeks. My kid won't touch one now because it's just like, all right, that was enough um i do the exact same thing you got to cut it triangles down the middle stack the one on top of the other yeah um, cuts off the crust yeah well i don't right but it's it's a really good movie all the points you i mean it's very authentic roy Choi made sure of that um i think the one thing i don't know that uh we ripped through the chef show we were talking about this the other day my wife and I, I guess it was early in the pandemic. feels like it was about six years ago, um, but it was sometime early 2020 because it's very, they're, they're quick hits and they're easy to, the movie Favreau is, is great. 
the chef show, I find him very uncomfortable and like very uh, awkward around all these people. And I don't know if it's just he's not in that circle and he wants to be so badly. And he played the chef in a movie one time that he thinks that he is a part of it. But it comes off like super cringy at times. The other ones where he's just in his house, they're fine. But when they go to restaurants, I'm like, oh, please get out of here. Oh, this is awful. And you can see, and like, sometimes you can see Roy, like, this is my friend. I brought him. I'm sorry. Like, it'll, he's it'll be He's a little eager to please. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with you there. In certain episodes, he's a little eager to please. Um, that's a cool gateway show. Like, after a couple episodes of that, when... Um, Dave Cho was on there. I got into his show, Ugly Delicious, and Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Like, you, you learn about David Chang. Of, oh yeah, sorry. Um, Bumped into him uh, in New York. He's 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 got a lot of great content out there. If you're into cooking, yeah. Momofuku now, fan. now I'm gonna get canceled like FX did because they mixed those guys up. We're gonna have to cut that out. I just want a Cuban sandwich. That's all I want now. It's close enough. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention um, John Leguizamo just steals the show in this movie he just crushes it the pest my man he's so good at this movie. back in back in south beach right where it all began with True. the pest yeah yep <laughs> you're the only one that gets pest references i know i have to just pat myself joke by back. jeff for jeff <laughs> he's like what is the pest <laughs> good pick matt uh tom what do you got Number two. I think I'm going like three popcorn movies in a row, but Inglorious right. Bastards is my number two. Um, I love Tarantino, so this is, I think this and Kill Bill were the only two I remember seeing in this range for him. Um, I just find this movie incredibly rewatchable. I could watch it just pretty much nonstop. I think the first two scenes are as good as any. You get the first scene is the Christoph Waltz scene with the French dairy farmer, um, which is heartbreaking obviously but also like christoph waltz just throughout the movie just is an incredible incredible character like i think did he win the award for this or was he just nominated i think he won yeah pretty sure he won um this is my number one by the way yeah it's just an all-star performance by him and then you're gonna be so bummed that when i i give my next movie you definitely missed it sorry keep going (laughs) the the second scene and really i mean this is my favorite pit role actually by far. Like I love, I love Pitt. He's great, but Aldo rain is just the absolute best. I mean, I could listen to, there's so many one-liners that just get me every time. And the introduction to him when they're, you know, they, they just introduce you in the second act to him and his Nazi killing force. It's just the absolute best. That, that, that I don't know if that's a half hour segment or so I could watch that just on repeat. Um, it's another but, kid who's got something. He's going places. Mm. <laughs> yeah i mean i love the you ever want to eat a sauerkraut sandwich again and like just all the way all the things he says um yeah. all, all like the fake italian like bonjourno like <laughs> like i said third most um yeah i mean i think it's I, I think i prefer pulp fiction but my second favorite tarantino movie um and one i'll just kind of always go back to yeah this is i agree this is my favorite pit movie i i'd probably say this is my favorite tarantino movie too it's also just for the points you mentioned, especially those first two scenes, like as long as it is, as, as convoluted as, as it is, it's also highly rewatchable, right? Like, and I've even just put it on to watch like those two, those first two scenes before. It's one, one of my favorite movies, hands down. Um, 
and the it's cast, nice because it's in chapters. About, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. and when you brought up the ensemble casting in Ocean's Eleven, like, is would this be considered an ensemble cast too? Even though they're kind of different chapters in different areas, because it's it's packed. Like, yeah, you've got Pitt and Christoph Waltz, right? Burnthal again. Yeah, Burnthal again. Um, Fassbender, it, it, right? Fassbender, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, Diane Kruger for a minute. Uh, Naomi Watts, right? Um, Wait. BJ Novak's in this. Yeah, there's some. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, is Naomi Watts in this or you think of Diane Kruger? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm bad with names tonight, guys. It's all right. Yeah. Glad you're here. Thanks. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, that, uh, the, the, well, two things. One, the, the, the opening scene, like you talked about, Tom. It's one thing to have your your big American movie debut be with a character that big, but to lead the movie off in a scene that's that strong. Like, I don't know that there's been a debut of an actor in a scene that's more, you're pretty much peaking now. Like, it's just yeah. stretched, you know, he was right out of a cannon. Time. Although I, I think Django, uh, his role in Django is, is probably, I don't want to start comparing, but I mean, it's right there next to it. Um, Just okay, but Inspector and Bond. The scene Bond in the bar Bond, is uh, is is my favorite. But yeah, I really can't go wrong with that one. That's yeah. a bingo. So, so <laughs> Kurt, that was Australian. Think about your that scene in the bar with Fassbender, yeah. just crushing it the whole time, and imagine uh, Simon Pegg instead of Fassbender, because that's who is initially attached to the role. I could get behind. I don't, that. You said you can or you can't? I can. Can you? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. What if I had to, what if Mike Myers wasn't in that role? And I said, did you know that they were that they were thinking about Mike Myers for? I mean, it's Tarantino writing. They'll find a way to make yeah a but deliverable dialogue. So smooth. Like I don't think Peg has that. It'd be guy. just be a different. It, I could yeah, see I Peg know. in the Mike Myers role. Yeah. Well, Mike Myers in the Fassbender role. <laughs> like a weird austin powers <laughs> he just reverts to austin powers voice <laughs> stop doing that uh, yeah uh, love it great pick one yeah. of my favorites that's one wow knock mad outs okay uh i guess i just leave jeff i know and now i'm worried because of the rules i feel like this movie's not gonna make it but i do have a special guest she's dialing in right now um i finally got her kurt it's tara reed she's on the other line and she's here to talk about her role as bunny lebowski in the big lebowski oh what yeah i knew you were going to be disappointed oh tough well i'm glad not a strong pot for matt (laughs) matt's crushed i do a lot of research research on this one too this is not an act matt's really upset are you crying i just got dust in my eye uh this is an all-timer um maybe for me the best coen brothers movie uh i don't think it's close either uh, uh, you're one I, I had this down as your one for me i thought it was gonna be your one yeah no my Keep one going, is, but I, I, i'm a shoo-in for my one okay all right um <clears throat> not to completely show my cards so this was 83 tomato 93 audience which feels right feels yeah. low uh 
incredibly quotable. We could definitely take this to a four hour pod by just sitting here and talking about it at length. But um, I don't I don't even know where to start. What what do we say about about this tremendous movie? Uh, I'm not excited to channel the this isn't non there are rules conversation and we have to not take this. God damn it. He is crying. He's rubbing his eyes like a lot. Do you think it's um, best best Jeff Bridges role? No, okay. I think it's his most well defined best. Right, I think it's no. his most it's his most uh, iconic role. Maybe it's it's what he's known for. Right, he's synonymous yeah. with the dude. He has definitely taken on that persona a bit, especially That's, now. Yeah, uh, you know, as he's going through this battle with cancer and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, you know, he's harking back to a lot of his dudeness, but I think he has had really strong roles um, outside of this movie. I mean, he is he's up there for me, um, but I don't know if he's up there for me because he's the dude to start with or not. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question, to be honest with you. Um, Goodman, I think, you know, he's a Cone brother favorite. I think Walter is his best Cohen brother outside of maybe his role in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But I still think Walter blows him out of the water. Um, Barton Fink is good, but yeah. Yeah, this is probably, this has got to be it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's for, for what it is, it, for some reason, this is like a cult movie and I don't understand why. I mean, it's made by the Cohen brothers who are, you know, in the pantheon of directors this cast is studded between Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julian Moore, Steve Buscemi, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, Sam Elliott, obviously Tara Reid, who can't seem to get into the Zoom. Um, but Lewis off again. Right. I didn't realize that Flea is in this movie from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, he's one, of, just... the, uh, he's one of the um, nihilists. He's the guy Back to the future. He's the guy with the, uh, the ferret. It's his ferret. Um, yeah, Jeff, I, I don't know that I believe I, I get that. Like, this is called a cult movie, but I think it's a cult movie in the way that office space is a cult movie. And like, oh, it's a cult movie that everyone who's of a certain generation has seen. Yeah, I don't get it. Is there any yeah. the Coen brothers have done that people say isn't a cult movie? Like. And that could be just so kind of part of true, their... true grit was pretty big no country was yeah. pretty big true grit's a remake though right i don't know yeah i don't know i, I don't know i'm devastated by the rules um because per the rules we have to take it have to take uh few good men. oh no and glorious yeah you're right well so, God damn it. We got, we got wild card spots floating around. Yeah, I love that movie. Let's put through there for. Well, I mean, I yeah, we really do because we have another, we have a few good men sitting down there. And Glorious was a, is a one for one tie. A few good men's one for one tie. I mean, we can, we can figure this out. I mean, we still have our ones to go. So who's left with their ones? Uh, I have to give mine. Matt has given his. I will give mine now. Uh, it's the the movie that gave so us Ben Stein. It. It's it's John Hughes's love letter to Chicago. It is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, never mind. Eighty percent critic, ninety two percent audience. 
a movie that is entitled Ferris Bueller's movie, but to me is really Cameron and Mr. Rooney's movie. So Alan Ruck and Jeffrey Jones, Jeffrey Jones popping up in, in two movies, Hunt for Red October and this. Um, I'll, I'll start with, uh, I'll start with, with Ferris Bueller. I mean, the, the casting of this had to be done perfectly because there's a line here between smarmy and and smart aleck and just unlikable and someone who has the charisma to pull it off and if you need to see an example of how it doesn't work if you youtube the ferris bueller tv show that they tried to pull off that kid is insufferable and there's a reason that that show got canceled after like six episodes and that jeff has a story no that show is 10 percent on rotten tomatoes 10 percent. jennifer anderson's first uh big acting job I think this is the best thing that Broderick did. Um, I was thinking about other people that could have done this. I mean, maybe John Cusack, maybe Michael J. Fox. I don't know if the ages work at that point, but Fox would have crushed this. I feel like that this is different like a Michael energy. J. Fox. Different energy. Fox is a little like I'm thinking like Back to the Future. He's not as like mellow and and like low key as Ferris. You don't really see Ferris break a sweat. Like Back to the Future, he's kind of spastic. I don't know. That's just one. Yeah, thing, it's also time traveling. Yeah, it's true. A little higher with his but... neighbor. I mean, it's a little <laughs> uncomfortable. He's a, he's a little in over his head. <laughs> his mom's trying to date him. I mean, it's Cusack. Give him a, give him a break. Yeah, it's, no, it's all fair points. Cusack, I don't know if he has the. He's, I hate he's John not getting. Cusack. Away, he's not getting away with but, yeah. the things that brought I hate him. Is. I hate John Cusack and I hate, I hate his sister too. The two of them, seriously. Both of them? Well, you know what? Gross Point Blank was close to getting on my list. So That's a good movie. I didn't yeah, take that because I didn't want to see Jeff have a real bad day. What's uh, your beef I, with Cusack? What's, what's... I just don't like him. I don't like anything about him, actually. Uh, I don't like his face. I don't like his hair. I don't like his voice. And I really don't like his sister. And I don't like the fact that his sister kind of looks and sounds and, and acts just like him. And I feel like they just play off each other the whole time. And the only reason that they're relevant is that there's two of them and they're kind of the same person. And it's like, hey, we need this like awkward, uncomfortable person to play a role. Do you need a male or female version? We have both. <laughs> Jeff, who would you rather punch in the face? John Cusack or Owen Wilson? Cusack. Wow. Jeff's just been wow. sitting on this for 32 episodes. It's <laughs> finally come to the surface. Jeff, you're not going to go to the midnight showing of Marry Me with Owen Wilson and J-Lo that I keep seeing ads for? Oh, my God. There was a text that went around, and I saw a trailer for that movie, and it's like somebody at the studio listened to this podcast, and they were like, I think I know how I can get him to kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to break his brain. It sounds like a gimmick for a movie that's not real in another comedy. They took a line from Arrested Development and just made it into a movie. Wow. But anyway, I mean, I, who, who hasn't seen Ferris Bueller? I mean, the, the interesting bit that I found was that Alan Ruck, who played Cameron, had read for Hughes to be Bender in Breakfast Club. Didn't get it. Right call. Uh, Judd Nelson, better in that role. Alan Ruck, better in this role. Uh, Ruck had a natural camaraderie with Broderick because they had done this play together called Biloxi Blues. And the voice that Ruck uses to be George Peterson, Sloan's father, on the phone with Rooney is the voice of that director. So it was an inside joke between Broderick and him. And if, if you don't know who I'm talking about, it, it's, it's this. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think I owe you an apology, sir. Well, I should say you do. <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I, I. Well, I think you should be sorry, for Christ's sake. A family <laughs> member dies, and you insult me. What the hell is the matter with you, anyway? Like I said, it's, it's, I mean, that's one of the best scenes in the movie, watching Rooney just, you know, fart all over himself, basically trying to, to catch this kid. Is great. The um, Abe Froman seems pretty up there too. Abe Froman is is, is another good scene. I I don't care that. What's the thing it. with that restaurant? They don't they use their pancreas. What? Chef Chef Louis. They they uh they eat pancreas, which is a scene that got cut. But he it references does. it at the end of the movie. Yeah. What's the other movie? Is it Blues Brothers? Somebody else uses the same restaurant, and it's Chef Louis as well. I don't remember. I think it's the Blues Brothers when they come in. And what's his, name? what's his name's the mater d hang on oh you uh i don't think i ever noticed that is that not the blues brothers am i screwing this up i'm not sure it's definitely the blues brothers we'll take that as a follow-up but i'll take the, I'll take the yeah. points yeah this is uh it's yes. an all-time movie. Both the um, Blues Brothers and Ferris Bueller's had normal scenes inside an uptight press restaurant in downtown Chicago. Shea Louis is actually the orangey yeah. movie has ringwald wanted to play uh yeah. sloan and wow. he was told her no because he didn't think the part was big enough which i think that would have been distracting it was her i think it works everything works yeah. really well this was uh i watched this movie i don't know how many times it's an old time kid yep killed me not to put it in my top top five but i i used your rule for <clears throat> talked about it so many times that i left it out for variety's sake yeah I don't, I don't care about that rule what do you think <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm about to tell you why what do you think happens when cameron's dad comes home is cameron uh, when dead? morris when when morris comes home and he and i'll have a little chat is he uh, dead i think that, that it's thrown out of the house and military uh, academy kind of repercussions uh, he's so, already almost close time. to leaving anyway yeah 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 it's definitely a uh yeah it's pretty heavy part of the movie sure yeah yeah Yeah. i mean so just some background on that car right so it's a not that anybody cares but it's a 250 gt california this movie came out in what 86 just pulled up henning's uh value trend so and it was 95 grand okay and 84 by 89 it was 1.9 million and it went out the fucking window yeah but it had 5,000 miles on it by that point, <laughs> so you gotta take that off of it it was 1.9 million when it went out the window it, uh, it was somewhere between 95 and 19 it's probably closer to one um, if that really happened to you would you just actively leave home and not even wait around for I mean, that might literally be packing a bag. If I was and I'm Cameron, in the wind. probably, yeah. Yeah, I would. I, maybe not like with a thought of it being permanent, but I wouldn't want to be there for weeks until there was a cooling off period. And like, yeah, yeah. I'd be gone though for sure. This, I, mean, I sent it in the yeah. chat. This movie has an excellent minimalist movie poster that is like it shows the car just as a little red brick flying off the the <laughs> cliff. It's really cool if you're a fan of the movie. <laughs> That is, yeah. <laughs> it's a ten million. Well, the first card. time I watched it, I definitely didn't see that card today. That's that's a that's great office artwork right there. Might have to get that. This is a big deal for me. I was I was like ten, and we got to stay in a hotel for the first time ever. 
and this was on HBO and I, I stayed up and watched it. And I was like, Oh, what is this? This is great. Changed your life forever. It did. That's my number one. Uh, so Matt, you already gave your number one, Tom, what is at the top of the Tom pyramid? Uh, I'm going back to the Christopher Nolan well and taking inception. So I, I really love inception. I think, um, I think of his like, you know, his movies that are in this kind of alternate universe, this one, the first time I watched it, I actually understood all the way through. Like I didn't, I didn't need to like Google and like, like tenant, I needed to read like a 4,000 word article explaining the movie to me after my god (laughs) i I still don't get it i still i feel worse (laughs) about myself that i cannot understand what happened really in that movie i've watched diagrams i've heard it explained to me i've seen all four different videos still i'm just dumb continue go ahead yeah so i I mean i still like managed to like tenet despite it like totally breaking my mind and taking like days and days of me thinking about it and reading articles to, to kind of understand what was going on um inception was like thankfully complex but not over the top in my opinion like you could you could get it the first time through and you didn't need you know hours of of research after the fact um i think it's the best heist movie frankly i love heist movies i think this is just an excellent one obviously it's a little bit different than like your traditional kind of bank heist style but you know you have your crew you have everybody has their specialty um you know it's a it's a little bit different style of a heist movie but uh, i love it um i think it's got just an excellent excellent cast obviously of leo uh joseph gordon levitt hardy michael kane cillian murphy it just got some some real heavy hitters um i think this is the first big thing that i had seen hardy in i didn't really know who he was until this movie am i alone in that or you guys no, that's true. I don't remember him having many big roles prior to this. I feel no. like I've seen him in something, but I'm having trouble. It's definitely one of his first big ones. Yeah, to your point. Hold on. I love this pick. I didn't see this. I know, I know Brad this Pitt. Would have been on my list. Pitt was thrown around for the Leo role. I feel like Leo works fine. Yeah, I, I think I was happy with it being Leo. Yeah. Um, I also kind of, you know, like these big blockbuster movies where they just have seemingly an infinite budget and can just shoot these, you know, mind bending scenes of, uh, you know, this kind of alternate reality. Just, I don't know. I thought this was, this also felt just pretty much exciting all the way through. Like I was kind of edge of my seat, just totally engaged the first time I watched this and and still feel that way whenever I turn it on. Um, So yeah, just a huge, huge fan of this movie. He was in... Layer Cake and Rock and Roll. Those are the things Ooh, I, I love from Layer Cake. Layer Cake's yeah. on my honorable mention list. It's in this. It's in this bracket. Yeah, it was yeah. on my honorable my my thirty film long honorable mention list as well. <laughs> Cross that one off. No, this is a, yeah. I, I completely is agree. I don't often think of this as a heist movie, but you're exactly right. It has everything a heist movie does. That's. Well this is the, the peak of the Hans Zimmer type score too. Yes. The, oh my oh, god! Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. But in this way, it works because it it is an over the top movie in a good way. Um, yeah. 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 The hallway scenes when they're going, doing the fights in there—that's awesome. Yeah, and from, from here, throw. go ahead. The, from here, the Nolan movies have really gone from, I mean, Inception, complex movie, but but 
you know, you can distill it and you can be pretty can understand what's going on. Then you go from that to interstellar and the ending of interstellar is like, now you're getting into like wormholes and it's like, all right, well, I kind of get what's going on. And then tenant, it's like, I think we've, we've got a little too far away from where, you know, where would you the put leash the prestige has been fully extended. Where'd you put the prestige in there, Kurt? That's true. That's no prestige was pre inception. Pre, yeah, it was definitely before this. No, I know, but I mean on the scale of of Jeff, we're not done attainable to confusing. I think it's probably in between Inception and Interstellar. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I think the prestige is a little harder to get the first time through than Inception. Yeah. Is it because yeah. they're brothers? Is it because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you didn't know Jeff, why don't we recap real quick? Just literally a year ago, Jeff's still upset about the 15 minutes that we derailed the podcast to talk about. <laughs> I've never been angry. That's why the podcast never took off. Thank People God John Cusack wasn't it. in that movie. <laughs> John Cusack was actually originally cast as the, as the brother. And Joan was the other brother. <laughs> <laughs> so when you hear Joan Cusack's voice in Toy Story 2, are you just like gritting your teeth? <laughs> it's on. the fucking worst, man. I can't stand it. Dad, why is, why, is the, why are the veins in your neck bulging out? <laughs> I'm bald, so like they're all over my head. It's everywhere. She can, she when Jesse gets left on the side of the road, you're like, good. 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 <laughs> it's a terrible right, cowgirl anyways. Is Hot Tub Time Machine your number one? No. It's very predictable. My number one is Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Oh, throw your okay. rule right out the window. Okay. We've talked yeah. about it at length. I can't not do it. It's 89%. Um, <clears throat> I watched Tombstone on Saturday night again because we had just talked about it and I hadn't watched it in a long time and the whole time I watched Tombstone I wish I was watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid I think and we just had I think we one of these podcasts we had to talk about westerns and everything else and I'm in the bag for them as everybody knows but the more and more I, I read about this movie the relationship that Newman and Redford had what the antics that happened on set, uh, the more and more I just like this movie. And, you know, I'm a big Paul Newman guy, uh, probably first, Redford second. Um, but there's just so much fun that, like, I wish I was there when it was shot. Um, like, there's, there's a lot of stories that uh, I'm sure we've talked about on this podcast. But, for instance, when they were doing the scenes in Bolivia, it was actually Mexico. Everybody on the film got sick except for Redford and Newman because they were not drinking water. They only drank beer the entire time they were in Mexico. They refused to drink the water and just stuck to beer. So most of those scenes that you see, they are just annihilated because they were there for like weeks and only drank beer. And it kept, it made them able to shoot the film. Um, the film came out and did tremendously well as the highest grossing film that year. Uh, obviously, those two have done very well since. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Paul's not with us anymore. Um, but it, it and it's not total fiction either, right? So, like, you're watching Tombstone. I'm watching Tombstone. And I'm like, wow, this is like it's a little more historically accurate. Maybe that's why. Like, because like they shoot out the OK Corral. I'm like, I don't know. The 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 lore of the shootout of the OK Corral. People using the phrase of the OK Corral, like seems like it should be a lot more exciting than what happens in that movie, which is like 30 seconds of 
just kind of chaos and then a guy doesn't shoot and then start shooting yeah do you know what's funny is that all the streaming services we have all the 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 kindles and ipads and and netflixes and hulus on and on and on jeff i also watched tombstone on saturday my buddy dan texted yeah my buddy dan texted me and said i'm watching you watching tombstone right now there's so many commercials why were there so living in this dad world of like what about on TV? <laughs> I texted, you know, you know, it's even worse is I texted my father-in-law who's like 70. And I was like, hey, just in case you're wondering, it's on. And he was like, oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks. I was going to go to bed, but now I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, to me, this is it. This is the number one. And the point I was trying to make there is I, you know, I was trying to give Tombstone more credit than maybe I thought it deserved, but Butch and Sundance were real people too. Um, this obviously is a, a very fictionalized take on their lives, but it's not totally fake. Um, you know, these bank, these train heists, the bank robbing, it's all very believable. Um, so yeah, I'm in the bag for it. One thing I did find uh, kind of adorable is that Newman uh, became a very charitable man. Uh, if you buy his salad dressing, 100% of the net profits go to uh all these all these different charities that he set up right and it's kind of everybody takes a shot at him being salad dressing and crouton man now but he set up a charity for kids with serious uh medical conditions and the charity is called the hole in the wall gang uh which i think is very cute so that's about it that's all i gotta say just go watch the movie if you haven't watched it and you're still somehow listening to this and you don't think that i'm being serious i'm being serious you need to watch it just gonna keep bringing it up until you watch it yeah and the thing is there's there's few enough of you that will find you we'll make sure that you've watched it uh so that that's the completion of the list so here's what i propose that we do i say that we take a few good men in the wild card spot because it was a double up okay and does that take care of all the, the that's double all the doubles left with yeah <clears throat> then we just pick essentially a number one and if you want to drag Lebowski into the conversation, that's fine. Okay, so, so the we're, number we're one's bastards double up, or is that two? Inglorious, Inglorious bastards locked in at number two. So here's here's oh, what okay. it is so far: in in Bruges at five, Birdcage at four, Usual Suspects at three, Inglorious bastards at two, A Few Good Men, which was my two and Tom's five, we're going to take on the wild card spot. Got it. So we just have to pick a number one. So the, the, the nominees for the number one, if I take Inglorious Bastards out, are Ferris Bueller, Inception, Butch Cassidy, or and if you want to drag or bring Big Lebowski in to that as well, mm-hmm. that's fine. Riveting decision. debate. Tough decision. <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's brain just broke because he has to choose between Big Lebowski and Butch Cassidy. (laughs) We'll put those two forward as contenders. I mean, I feel like Ferris Bueller's not going to win this fight. So yeah, I'm I'm between my own Inception or Lebowski, the the two that I would most prefer. Can everyone get behind Lebowski? And Uh, we, I think we got to go Lebowski. That feels like the path of least resistance. The, The dudes abide. Butch Cassidy is a phenomenal movie, Jeff, but it still feels like a win for you. Just, rem- just remember, you still, because you it still is. get points. <laughs> and I got to talk about it, so that's okay. Yeah. 
The um, trophy that I'm getting for you is going to be the tiniest, tiniest trophy in the world. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of a moot point because we already filled up uh, all six of our spots, but I'm, I'm going to rip through just a few honorable mentions very quickly. Uh, things that didn't make the cut. Actually, I'll do it this way. Things that I thought were going to be on here that were not. Tom, I thought you were going to go with Heat. Uh, I, I was and, very tempted to go with Heat. It's, it's my favorite heist movie. Um, we'll find another way to talk about it. I was gonna. I was tempted to talk about this Indonesian movie called The Raid, which I think is one of the best action movies ever. But I didn't want to be accused of pretentious podium right out of the gate. Uh, the I've drop. John Wick. Yeah. John Wick. What's that? Seems based on a lot of the Raid stylings. So okay. All right. So maybe not as pretentious podium. As, all right. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, the drop, which I think is Tom Hardy's best performance. Uh, Matt, I thought you were gonna have super bad in here. I did too. Uh, and then a few others I, I just really enjoy are 21 Jump Street, Everybody Wants Some, John Wick, Donnie Brasco, Miracle, and shout out Devo for Mask of Zorro. Finally, <laughs> it took seven weeks, eight weeks. I'm sorry, but we're finally here. Eight uh, Matt, um, anything else you want to? Yeah, yeah I had a couple more. Um, my cousin Vinny, not in contention, but just a, an all-time favorite. Um, Deadpool in here, just because the the ball is on Ryan Reynolds to pull and and deter, and like persistence to pull this off. It's hilarious. It's a lot of fun. Dead Poet Society. I limited myself to to one, and I think the right Robin Williams movie for this. But I do I love thought for sure you were going to have that in there. It's a great movie. Um, Rogue One is another one uh, kind of not, I don't know, maybe it's more well-known now, but I feel like everybody that watches it is just like, oh, wow. Like it was really surprising. It, it's one of the few, you know, post original trilogy uh, Star Wars movies that doesn't really get any crap from anybody. Really. It's actually it's a good my favorite. Movie yeah. It's my favorite Star Wars movie, which I know is Same. blasphemy to stay, yeah. but I just, I, I watched it. I didn't expect that going into it. I was like, oh, wow, that was like, I like that more than the original three somehow. Yeah. Well, and just living like in that same time frame, but without any of those core characters gave him so much freedom, right? To, to just do something really fun and different. Yeah. So big fan of that. Uh, when you mentioned Ron Howard, I thought you were going to go for Rush, um, which is also in here. Another, another big fan of that. Love that movie. Yep. Um, you mentioned John Wick, so I'll just say John Wick 2 is, is my favorite of the, the trilogy. Um, they're coming out with a fourth, though. And then uh, last one here, um, Meru is on here, which is earlier Jimmy Chin. That I think it was his, his big one before uh, Free Solo. If you haven't seen it and you like mountaineering, alpine movies, mountain climbing, uh, bunch of people climb Everest on this really difficult route and it's it's pretty awesome. Matt, I gotta nice. say I'm disappointed. I was actually like debating putting John Wick three in my top five, but then just couldn't take myself seriously and do that. I was I was kind of banking on you throwing it in there or one of the John Wick two or three. So I'm a little disappointed we didn't get well, we didn't Tom, get any Wick in a top five. Tom, we're we're gonna have to do a, a follow up Wick pod. Um, I love. Oh yeah, I I I love the Wick. The Wick. I can't wait for Wick Four. It's gonna be like the first movie I go see like at midnight. I feel like yeah. that'll be your window. Life. You guys you're, will do Wick Four. You're invited uh, back after that. We'll yeah. do instant reactions and uh, and and rankings. 
just take your gear to the to theater and yeah, live yeah, pod it as it's better. going on. It's a great idea. I love it. <laughs> Jeff, you coming? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be right there. <laughs> just gonna get my coat. I got something in my car. I'll be right back. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was some other. Tom, yeah. What do you know, got? There was some other. You got. You guys hit a lot. A lot of them, but. Um, the Breakfast Club is, is a classic, almost famous. Um, I think 28 Days Later is a, is a kind of a great horror movie. I'm not super into that genre. I don't know if that's really a horror movie, but I, I do like that. Um, Thank You for Smoking, I always liked a lot. Uh, Django, yeah. Another, yeah. Django, another Tarantino film. Obviously not as good as Inglorious, but but still pretty good. Um, you got the first two lethal weapons in here, Born Identity. And then my favorite childhood comedy liar liar which i think there was a phase in my life when i was probably 10 or 11 years old where i could <clears throat> recite that movie from beginning to end we're, we're gonna do top legal movies at some point and that's <laughs> that's probably gonna make its way in not for being accurate it, i haven't been in court in a while but as far as being entertaining yeah that's probably close to pete carey yeah Kurt, did you list. leave almost famous out because of your rules your your standards your moral standards i did would it have been in there had you not had these rules? It was going to be close. Yeah, it might. I don't know. What, probably Red October. Now that I look at the list again, Red October probably would have, should have gotten bumped for heat. But no, I don't know. I love Red October. Like it's it's not a podcast unless I look back and have some regret. So I also made an entire list of of things called no thanks, like movies that are in here where I've seen them once, and it's nope. But I think we're going to do that as a whole separate podcast. Was American History X on the top of that list? It was in there. Uh, yeah. Last King of Scotland. I don't need to see James McAvoy hanging by meat hooks. No, thank you. Yeah, so that was, that was again, I don't want to step on the list too much. Jeff, why don't you give us a, uh, uh, all right. The original, the original true grit was in here. Um, the big short Castaway, the color of money. Uh, we're, we're going right, right down the, uh, you know, the pipe for me. Um, Straight out of Compton. I think it's a really good movie, even though it gets like some sort of recency bias towards it. I, I thought it was very accurate. Because uh, I was there, Ralph breaks the internet. Also very good. I think both Ralph movies are great. I think Ralph breaks the internet is very funny. The scene with the princesses gets me every time. Uh, stripes. Okay. I thought Kurt, you'd have Stripes somewhere on this list. Mystic River. I love Mystic River. It gets a lot of shit, and I don't know why, but I really like Mystic River. The Graduates. I like Sean there. Penn. Sean Penn is my John Cusack. I, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. And when you brought up Milk earlier, I wanted to make this point that like, I think the only reason that movie got it was because of what it was about. And like Sean Penn rode this high. 100%. Because he was coming back. So whatever, we get into that later. Yeah. Uh, the Graduate, uh, it was hard to keep off. Swingers, hard to keep off. Clockwork Orange. I like the movie, but I don't need to see it a lot. That's in my no thanks list. Yeah, I like it for what it is. I'm good. Um, yeah. Platoon, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Elf, The Shining, The Way Back, we talked about, American History X, Major League, again, not on Kurt's list. Very shocking. Uh, and then Jeff, kind of everything. Cake. Jeff, where do you stand on uh, Waking Ned Divine? I think Love you're it. a big fan of that. That's in here, too. Big fan. Didn't see it on the list. It wouldn't have made my top five, but I, I no, love no. it. I mean, this is, yeah, Beetlejuice is in here. My dad loved uh, that movie. It's it's Irish Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> that guy wins the lottery. Now what do you do? Yeah. All right. So I have, um, 
it's a great it was a tough uh tough bracket uh i can take us one well. to, one to six here so again lebowski at one uh inglorious bastards at two the usual suspects at three the birdcage at four in bruges at five and a few good men at six taking the point totals two let me just double check oh wait kirk got two points right matt got one two oh wait matt got one two three points i had that right okay tom carry the two add four got it all right so tom had two points talking math yeah tom had two points for the evening uh matt had three points for the evening taking himself to 58 points overall uh kurt had two points for the evening taking him to 49 points overall still below failing Uh, i'll get there and I am over the 60 mark with 61 points uh, after this evening. Still. What's great about this is you, you read that list off and there are people that are just yelling at their phone audio device saying that you guys are morons. Like, how could you not take X over Y? And there's people that are saying like, yep, it's a solid list. But. And, and there's only well two done, people. Guys. So, you know, one saying yeah. that and the other saying that. <laughs> it's really Tom's friends. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be the real judge <laughs> i think as hard as this bracket was i think i think we did pretty damn good yeah very it's proud no you know john q over hook uh no travesties in here let's wrap it up <laughs> jeff took home alone franchise god damn it <laughs> all right thanks guys bye Later. Thanks.